Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Recorded live. Good morning, Aroostook County. This is the Aroostook Watch and Radio Show coming to you live on the Constitutional Radio Network, the Conscience of Maine, on 780 AM out of Monticello, Maine. It's a very slightly wide spot in the middle of the road, just north of Holton. Holton, Maine is the north end of Interstate 95, in case you were thinking we were at the south end, which would be somewhere around hmm, Key Largo or something. Anyway. Key West, actually. Key West, actually. Key West. Yeah, Key Largo, Key West, whatever. <laughs> Good. And it's great to have a guest, Hal Shirtlip, is with us. And I believe we have another guest also. Who's coming? Yeah, yeah. that'd be Reverend that'd Steve. Be Reverend Steve. Great. Okay, we'll get to that in just a second. And let's see. Well, we might as well just jump into it. Let's just go for it. Uh, we haven't got anything to talk about. I mean, it's just been such a dull, boring last couple of weeks. Uh, <clears throat> yeah. A slow, a slow problem, news week in basically saying the business. Yes, it's just been a slow news week. They've been talking about, you know, dog pooches and whatever. Anyway, let's get started. As is our custom, we will start with a little scripture. Tonight is 1 John 2, 15 and 16 out of the Amplified. Do not love the world of sin that opposes God and his precepts, nor the things that are in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust and sensual cravings of the flesh, and the lust and longing of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life, pretentious confidence in one's resources, or in the stability of earthly things, these do not come from the Father, but are from the world. Keep that in mind as we enter into some interesting conversations for this coming show. Don't forget, at the end of our show, we're followed by Roger Eck, the Northern Maine Landman, and I know that his show's a real good one for today, so stay tuned for that on the Constitutional Radio Network, The Conscience of Maine. Okay, I want to introduce Hal Shirtliff. Hal Shirtliff is the director of Camp Constitution, and we have also his cohort. And I'm going to introduce Two Hal. Cohorts, cohorts actually. Two? Yeah, wow. yeah we, we have... Yeah, we have Reverend Stevie Kraft, who's been on your show before. He's out of New Jersey. And we have 
You right? You there, Reverend Steve? Yeah, I'm here. How you all doing? Oh, uh, we're doing right. great. All right, good. Good to hear from you. And then uh, Dr. Punamatula Kishore. Doc, I think you're all there, right? Hi, Hal. Hi, Reverend. Well, you're on the Aristic Watchman. And uh, I just want to mention uh, that Dr. His Kishore. Real... Oh. What's that? Please, please introduce him again and enunciate very carefully. Okay, Dr. Punamatula, first name, Kashore is his last name. He is perhaps the world's premier drug addiction specialist who created the Massachusetts model, and maybe soon to be the main model, to uh, cure addicts, mainly uh, drug addicts, heroin addicts, with about a 50% success rate. And because he did not uh, sell his business out to Bain Corporation in about 2010 uh, when he was offered $60 million, within a year the uh, big farmer went after him with big government, in this case Massachusetts, and took his 52 clinics out of business and put him in jail. Uh, but he's being exonerated. There's a documentary about his life that's being produced. Um, and I think Reverend Kraft should be in it. I was interviewed recently. Now, Reverend Kraft, both Dr. Kishore and Reverend Kraft are instructors at Camp Constitution, both dear friends of mine. Reverend Kraft, um, his ministry focuses on racial reconciliation and also morality and freedom and the brilliance of our founding fathers. So they're up in uh, Maine next week. I say up in Maine because we, I'm in Massachusetts and uh, but anyway, uh, next week they're doing five engagements from Saco all the way to Presque Isle, and the topic is the drug card and the race card, a deadly hand. Uh, Dr. Cashel will be deadly talking company. about. Uh, Dr. Cashel will be talking about uh, the drug problem in Maine, in in the United States, and in Maine, and what solutions can be uh, what can be done about it. Reverend Kraft will be talking about the race issue and the race card and how the left specifically uses the race card to promote hatred. Now, you probably don't have a big racial problem in Maine because you have a very small black population, but you feel its effects, uh, and hatred is used by, both, by, by our nation's enemies on both sides of, uh, of the, uh, you know, the aisle, so to speak. And uh, he'll be, they'll be the speaking... The race card is just part of division. Division That's is right. the problem. It's not about what color the division is. It's the division. It's pitting Americans against Americans. It's the them and us philosophy. It's the good police, the bad police, the bad white, the bad black. It's all division. Correct. All right. So let me uh, just mention where they'll be speaking, and then uh, perhaps uh, Reverend Kraft can speak, and then we can get Dr. Kishore to talk a little bit about what he's doing. But um, in Arista County, There'll be a, this would be next uh, a week from um, today at Tang's Chinese Restaurant, 60 North Street, which is Route 1. Just if you get off 95, it's a, it's a little south on Route 1 on the right-hand side. It starts at 7 o'clock. It's free admission. We're going to pass the hat, just like we are in the church. Uh, you want to order off the menu, please do. And by the way, I was impressed by this. Pretty good food there. Usually the further you get away from a Chinatown, the worse the food gets, but it's pretty good. And Saturday morning, on the um, a week a week from tomorrow, uh, 
actually the show, yeah, so a week from today, the show airs on Saturdays, but right in uh, the Governor's Restaurant, 350 Main Street in Presque Isle at 9 in the morning. They'll be doing a presentation there, and again, it's uh, order off the menu, uh, show up if you want, go pass the hat. Uh, Thursday night, they'll be in Lincoln, Maine, at uh, the American Legion Hall, 3 Fleming Street, which is, uh, well, it's, a, it's a small town anyway, so you shouldn't have any trouble finding it. And then uh, Wednesday night in Waldeboro, I think you do have some, some repeaters going down that area, at the American Legion, 181 Jefferson Street, 7 o'clock. And then at the Dwyer Library in Saco, Tuesday, uh, this coming Tuesday at uh, 6.30. So uh, let me just pass it off to Red for a little bit, and then uh, over to Doc. We can uh, obviously the elections are going to have uh, the election elections. And by the way, I want to commend uh, Arista County because I think they're the only the only electoral vote that went Republican in all of New England. <laughs> what a surprise! What a surprise. <laughs> I said I was talking to uh, our good friend Bob Roy this morning, and I said. You know, that one vote doesn't seem like much, but it could have made the difference. You know, it could have made a difference in an election. Made a lot of difference a lot of times. The so um, Rev. Go ahead. Hello, Rev. Yeah, yes, Rev. Yes, yes. Good to good to good to be on the show. I uh, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm a little under the weather, I'm trying to shake off this cold before I come up to fellowship with you all uh, next week. But I, uh, I'm really looking forward to being a, a part of you guys' company and to really speak into this issue of racial conflict. We all know, those of us who are born-again, blood-washed believers, we all know and fully understand that, just like Brother Red said, uh, in the natural, racism has nothing to do with skin color. It's a matter of the sinfulness in one's heart. I constantly remind people when I'm out on the speaking uh, circuit that it's not about skin, S-K-I-N. It's about sin, S-I-N. The problem is a spiritual problem. It's not a social problem. It's not an economic problem. It's not a political problem. It's a spiritual problem. And the reason why racism, whether it's black racism, white racism, Hispanic racism, Chinese racism, or polka dot racism, the reason why it has such a short a shelf life and an, and an enduring shelf life is because of the fact that it's a spiritual problem and one cannot solve or correct a spiritual problem with any solution other than a spiritual solution. So having said that, that will be one of my main uh, points of, of as, we, as we go to these different locations next week and try to get the people to see and to understand that what we are seeing now in our country since uh, the one uh, that we supported, uh, Donald J. Trump, is now president-elect down here in our area in New Jersey and New York City, as you all, as your listeners are all probably well aware, we're having mass confusion, mass uh, wicked demonstrations, rioting, uh, and the man's not even in the White House yet. The man hasn't even been, uh, he's only been, uh, won the election 72 hours ago. And already people are yes. losing their 
mind. Uh, let me ask you a question. You're right there. Yeah. Uh, I'm I'm looking at a report right now. Uh huh. Says the headline says where to get it. Who's behind the riots? Hmm. Charlotte police say seventy percent of the arrested protesters had out-of-state IDs. Okay. 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 What's your question? So who's doing the instigating? We have instigators that are coming in from the outside. They're coming right, in on... Right, right. Let me, let, me, let, me, let me explain to the listeners exactly what's going on here. As I just said to the listening audience, this whole business is spiritual at its root. Now, when we go into Scripture, we started off our program with Scripture. So I, being a minister of the gospel, understand that what looks to be the actual problem is not really the problem. It's only the symptom of a bigger problem that's invisible. The Bible tells us clearly in the book of Ephesians that our fight and our conflict is not against flesh and blood, in other words, human entities, but against powers principalities, powers, rulers of darkness in the spiritual realm. In the natural realm, the realm that we can see, we, we know who's behind, well, we know different figures are behind all of this. Uh, George Soros, one, I'll set his name out there. Uh, Black Lives Matter, another. Uh, different uh, white nationalist groups, including Klan groups. Uh, we can look at the people and say, okay, this one's behind, this is but even if we got rid of all of those groups, the problem would still exist for the simple reason that it does not take one with a Ph.D. in, in, in racial, recon, uh, racial relations to understand and recognize that with every going back all the way to slavery and then bringing, coming it forward, we can pick out different human entities that will be behind these, these, these conflicts. So the players may change. All the way back to the, the Garden of Eden. Right, right. There you go, brother. The one who is really behind the puppet master is the, is the devil. He's, that's, where, that's why our fight has to be against flesh and blood. That's why the apostle, we can't fix this thing without the help of the, of, of the, the body of believers. It's a spiritual battle. You know, I can, I can knock out Black Lives Matter today. I can knock out the Ku Klux Klan tomorrow. It's not going to fix the problem because another group will rise up and, and keep the mess going. We've got to go to, as John the Baptist said, we've got to lay the spiritual axe to the root of the tree or the root of oh, the tree. I love it. I love and, it. Amen. Love it. Amen, Brother Red. Not trim the branches. There you go. Come on, Red. Come on. You get ready to preach now, bro. <laughs> like that. Yeah, but see, that's the truth. Oh, and all joking aside, because Brother Hal and myself, we were talking about this uh, thing uh, yesterday. This is very serious because I, you know, I'm looking at this stuff. I'm looking at it online. I'm reading about it in the newspaper. Uh, the media is blasting it, uh, uh, you know, on and on and on and on. You turn on your television, you see all this madness going on. And, and, and on both sides of the aisle, you're seeing young people uh, going crazy. Uh, I'll give you just two examples I saw just today. Uh, two, two exact opposite examples of how people see this thing, but not realizing that our, our enemy, the, the, who's really behind it, is a spirit. Uh, down in New Orleans, from where my wife comes from, in the French Quarter, 
uh, blacks were rioting uh, yesterday, and uh, they they defaced with graffiti uh, some of the uh, some of the buildings in the French Quarter, saying "Kill Whitey, pop pop pop, f the police, uh, uh, let's kill white man, f Trump, we're gonna kill him, blah blah blah." Who will take up the contract to assassinate uh, uh, Trump? Then. I, 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 I go to another uh, uh, site and turn on another TV program, and I see uh, uh, people dressed in Ku Klux Klan outfits and, 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 black and white nationalists with motorcycle jackets on with swastikas talking about uh, using the N-word, go back to Africa and pick cotton, and, 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 and uh, we're back in charge, and we're taking this blankety-blank country back, blah, blah, blah. So we have a problem. We have a serious problem, and it's the same problem. A bunch of problems with that. Let me, let me interject something right there. Number one, all that stuff, that graffiti, uh, who told them how to spell it? <laughs> <laughs> Number two, there ain't no cotton in Africa. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Hello. Yeah. <laughs> It's so crazy out there. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I didn't want to interrupt, but I needed to. Remember, you, were, were you aware? Um, do you remember uh, back in uh, late September when I, you may probably heard about it, Red, when I came up there to stand in the gap for, for Governor uh, Paul LePage when that big racial controversy came up with him about the alcohol, about the drug problem? And that's something hopefully we'll be able to 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 really uh, uh, see itself work out because Dr. Kishore, as well as myself, uh, both of our topics next week the two interlock with with the uh, the drug uh, uh, epidemic that you guys are having in Maine. And now I I hear that Maine is, is about, or if they have not already done it, passed the resolution to legalize so-called recreational marijuana, which is just another step to legalizing recreational heroin and everything else. See, all of these problems, that's why I try to explain to people. They have to understand there's a common link behind all these problems, whether it's the racial issue, whether it's the drug addiction issue. Drug addiction, for example, the Bible talks about it. It doesn't call it drug addiction. It calls it by its biblical name, pharmakia, sorcery, witchcraft. See, and, 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 Again, <laughs> when they jumped on your governor, and I hear that when I, when I, after I did the press conference and stood in the gap for him, uh, September 28th, I heard that the, the left up in your state is working double time, that when your legislature goes back into session, I believe the first in January, they're going to try to impeach him to get rid of him. So just like Brother yeah. Hal just said, there's hardly any. Let me tell you what's really going on here. Yeah, please, please, Red. Progressivism at its best. Uh huh. We just had the election. Uh, you're right. There were six ballot questions beyond the um, candidates for office. There were six progressive ballot questions. Uh huh. And you know, we beat one of them. And everybody's taking a victory lap because we won one and they won five. 
There's something wrong with the math here, folks. What we were the questions, Reg? One. I'm not... they five. And they will be back next year and reduce our resources for the one that we won. So what were the main, uh, what were the main questions? Because I don't know what they were, uh, Reg. Oh, I can give them all to you, and we'll go through them if you want. Um, but the first one was the marijuana. The second one was how to extract 3% more extortion money from producers. Number three, which is the one that we won, and everybody's uh-huh. taking victory lap, was we, we shot down Bloomberg's universal background checks. Uh-huh. Uh, number four was, uh, what the heck was number four? I can't remember. Uh, number five was uh, ranked choice voting. So next time we have a, an election cycle in Maine, nobody's going to know how to read the ballot. Nobody's going to know how to fill out the ballot. But that's going to work really well. And then we had a, ba- a, a bond issue that everybody loves to increase the debt. Yeah, sure. Oh, the other one, number four, was minimum wage. We're uh-huh. going to raise the minimum wage, which is valued, de- uh, denominated in Federal Reserve notes, yeah. but they don't have control of the currency. So right. we're going to destroy the economy, raise the minimum wage, destroy the producers, take their their income away from them yes real good yes sure. socialism 101 i i mean so you see i'm yes. glad you i'm glad you uh, made me aware of what those what those questions were because you see socialism 101 now and this is up in your state of maine hopefully one of the prayers that i can do even though i don't live up in maine is pray against that trick so that when uh, uh donald trump actually takes his seat uh in washington that because he is a friend of ours in concerning uh, 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 business, he'll be able, I'm not sure how it all works out politically, but be able to give some type of relief and reverse some of that stuff. I had to go to the mechanic. My not right. It happened that way. Yeah. Unfortunately. So here's what I want you guys to do. Okay. I want you to praying. Yeah. Because by God's grace, we may have 20 months for the true church, the people, the true church, the church is the people, not right, the right, people, right. to retake its proper role in family, society, yeah. and lastly, government. Yeah. No more. It's first God, then family, then church, then right. town, then government. Right. If we do that in the next 20 months, we will never have another opportunity. We will go over the edge. Done. Yes. Yeah, right. 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 Uh, I'd like to. Uh, I'd like to interject a little bit of a quote. Um, all these people that are protesting these uh, Trump's election, uh, they have themselves to blame because they're the ones that want an all-powerful president. Many Republicans and many Democrats. They like. They, they bought into the idea that that office is the most powerful position in the world, and they just have so many powers, and they can reverse or do things, they, a positive force, etc. cetera. Uh, for the last hundred years, Congress and state legislators have sort of looked the other way and said, hey, we, 
Take on the power. You can declare war now. We don't do it anymore. You can you can misappropriate funds. You can make treaties without even calling them tre- call them agreements, and we can fast track. Don't so we don't just debate on it. So they, they have know, nothing to complain about. They don't know the office of president. They don't know history. They've been dumbed down to the point of idiocy. Correct. 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 And I, you know, you ask the average person on the street. Where does the president get his job description? It doesn't come from the New York Times or the Wall Street Journal. It comes from Article 2, Section 2 of the Constitution. The president only has a handful of powers and duties. He's got some power there. I mean, he can negotiate treaties. He can ask for a declaration of war, but he doesn't declare it. He's the commander-in-chief of the military and what used to be called the militia, he can grant pardons and reprieves. He can do a lot of other things, but it's strictly limited. And he, he needs the consent and advice from the Senate when it comes to his cabinet positions. You know, he can, he can, uh, he can sign a law into effect, but it can be overridden, and he can be impeached. So the powers are supposed to be limited. His biggest job is to uphold the laws, whether he likes them or not. The law? And Obama... And other presidents have said, well, we don't like the immigration laws, you know, and we're going to go ahead and uh, not enforce those. And we're going to allow sanctuary cities in, in certain states and certain uh, around the country. We'll overlook that, you know. But when it, when it Wait comes a minute. to you – know, Then i got a place for them. We're going I'm, – I'm waiting for my invitation to the ribbon-cutting of the Clinton-Bush – Cell Block 7 Wing of Fort Leavenworth, Kansas. <laughs> I want <laughs> It's hey, hey Doc. And, uh, yes. Yeah, Doc's on the line here. Let's give it. Let's give him a little time too. He's kind of a he's kind of a shy, reclusive guy. We don't want to hurt his feelings. So. <laughs> no, I think uh, it's a great opportunity here. Uh, Hal has been uh, taking me around Maine and. Uh, it's a state with an independent spirit. I find don't find it anywhere else. Uh, sort of uh, my um, hats off to the the Mainers, uh, who we like the way the governor uh, shaped the addiction policy there. Um, he has an independent mind. You know, I studied the the policies of all of the 49 states, and I think he probably has the best uh, addiction policy right now. Uh, interdiction, get the drugs out of the communities. Uh, strong enforcement and uh, appropriate treatment, not uh, methadone, pharmacia, uh, pushing the drugs into the people. You know, it's a fascinating talk. Uh, I've been listening to three of you conversing there. You know, there's a saying in Washington: if you're not at the table, you are on the menu. <laughs> and we are all the we're all part of the menu, and the big corporations and the lobbyists are the ones who are uh, enjoying the the fruits, the the lobbying is so high for pharmaceutical industry, they've pushed it into every corner of the country. Uh, we consume 85% of all the drugs produced in the world. Wow. We, ha- we hardly have uh, enough people, for, you know, 300 million people. Um, there are 7 billion people in the world. We're consuming 85% of all the drugs. Hey, Doc, I wanted to, I'd like to inject here, too. Um, 
on the, the Massachusetts had the same issue of legalizing recreation marijuana. And, you know, I know a lot of libertarians and uh, I'm in agreement with them on many issues. They'll say, oh, this is wonderful. And, but actually what it's really doing, it's going to help big pharmacy because they're the ones that are going to be selling the stuff and the big drug addiction industry because there'd be more drug addiction. So they're the winners in this. And it's not about libertarian principles and freedom. It's about uh, a more addictive. And, and, and it's interesting, too, when we say 10th Amendment, we need to use the 10th Amendment, nullify things. Well, these marijuana, um, decriminalizing marijuana at the state level still violates the federal law. So they're actually, uh, they're actually violating federal law when they're doing this, but they're doing it anyway. And it's not, it's not like I say, it's going gonna, it's gonna to make money for the, for the big drug, drug business, and it's going to make money for the addiction business. They, uh, that's more people get hooked to this, on the stuff. You know, there's, there's so many rabbit holes to go down on that whole issue. I, I want to ask our guest to, to break down the, the pharmacia issue just a little bit. For instance... The United in the Ritalin, the drug for ADD, attention deficit. Ritalin produced. How much of the Ritalin produced in the world is consumed by the United States? I'll estimate. You know, in Massachusetts, you know, the name for Ritalin is Kitty uh, Meth, meaning. Uh, it's a, wow. it's, a, it's a gateway drug for kids to get on to you know, crystal meth or uh, methadone. Uh, this is the name they use. And we, we have, you know, we, we in Massachusetts consume 600% above the national median. We don't have a crystal meth problem or a cocaine problem here. We have a Ritalin and Adderall problem. And all of this is pushed by the baby doctors, the pediatricians are the ones. The poor mom and dad uh, take them there. My little Johnny can't sit still, or next thing you know, they're on drugs. And uh, recently I heard a very fascinating talk by Dr. Duke Pesta. The, 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 the schools are becoming clinics for the, for the pharmaceutical industry, where they're the, the placing a nurse who will dispense all these drugs, and mom and dad did not know, need not know what the kids are getting. We have a scary situation where these kids are getting uh, drugged up in the, in the school systems. And that leads to, of course, when they grow up, what do they do? They go to the illegal market and get more drugs. On the school system? The school systems are now basically um, the nurses are there. The nurses can give the drugs, and they have rights to privacy, the kids. So they need not know whether they got a contraceptive, uh, whatever they're getting, they're getting from the doctors in the, in the, in the, in the schools. So we got a situation where uh, schools are not for education, but to, you know, medicate the kids. Ah, yes. We medicate the kids. We give the adults fluoride, same as the Nazis <laughs> gave the Jews. So we just all get calm and cool and don't get too excited. By the way, do you know who invented methadone, uh, Jack? No. Uh, Doc, you can tell him because you're the one who taught me. You know, it uh, came out of the um, Second World War where uh, the British cut off the opium supply to the Germans. 
and uh, they could not get the morphine, so they made their own morphine in the, in the factory called methadone. Its oh, original my. name is dolophine. Dolophine is, is uh, for pain and also Adolf Hitler's favorite drug. Oh, jeez. I didn't know that. Yeah, so oh, the yeah. Nazis the Nazis are the ones that created it out of necessity. And uh, it wasn't until the Nixon administration, it was highly addictive. It did work, but it was highly addictive. And it wasn't until uh, the conservative Nixon administration gave the green light to the drug, the drug, the pharmacy, uh, big pharma, to use it almost exclusively to treat to treat um, addiction, heroin addiction. And stop Doc, it. can you? Stop it. Stop you got to stop it. My head's going to explode. Makes <laughs> me crazy. Makes me crazy. I have I have close personal acquaintances that are that go to the methadone clinic every morning of their lives and get their drugs from the state. Absolutely. What think is wrong with us, people? Darn. You know, methadone is so highly addictive. Um, it gets into their bones. They get bone pain. They can't get off of it. Even if they want to, they can't get off of it. It's, uh, it's a very painful uh, process to withdraw from it, so they stay on it. They have no choice, and they can't take it home. Most of them have to go to the clinic every day. They ring the bell, and they go there and you know, drink their, uh, uh, their juice. They, they give it as a liquid. They call it liquid handcuffs. Uh, oh, liquid handcuffs. That's the word on the so, street. So that's what happens. So how's this all work? Let's see. We keep you on a very low dose of methadone to make your little brain work. And we keep our jobs, and we keep this facility, and we <clears throat> supply the lobbyists with some money, and we just have a wonderful cash cow, just right. because you just happen to like methadone. Something's wrong with this picture, folks. And not only that, but there's no incentive. If you're, if you're making money off methadone, either running a clinic or working in it or manufacturing that drug, uh, what's your incentive of getting people off the stuff? I mean, you'll lose clients. So, it's one, one, so when is it in the best interest of a, of a bureaucrat uh, someone, or someone who has to rely on this for a living to actually help people get off the stuff? Well, let me, let me t- <clears throat> we'll just lighten it up here a bit. I was having a conversation with a local psychiatrist a few months ago, and I there was some personal stuff involved and he was explaining to me the uh, dopamine response to different things in our lives. And I I was just stunned with his statistics. Um, I don't know what it was. um, 150 for cigarettes, uh, 200 for food, 250 for sex, 300, 350 for heroin, 1,300 for methadone. Instantaneous. Instantaneous. No wonder they clean up and go right back to the pig pen. So I interjected to my friend, the psychiatrist, I can save you a lot of money and a lot of grief. You send those folks to Jack's rehab, I will send you back good people 
clean and sober, or in a box. His response was, that's why we don't send in the unit. We don't want boxes. <laughs> but, but, but the reality is, you know, it's a... Thing is uh, it's a see, we live in this country 74 years on the average. Once you people get on methadone, they die at 54. Most people lose 20 years of their useful life. So it's like, uh, uh, you know, boiling the frog the best they can. Uh, so it won't jump out of the water. At the Get same out of the water, people. Just jump. Get out of the water. Yeah. I, I want to inject, be, because you, you guys are both very involved in this, our process in Maine for the ballot initiatives is a anti-Republican, small-R Republican process. It's a Democrat process, which means that it's mob rule, so that 51% of the people can override or take away the rights of the 49%. This came about in 1976, which is why we have this stupid citizens' initiative process. But that's just background. This, I, I just told you the five different um, initiatives that were on the ballot this week. Let me tell you what's going to be on the next time around. One of them is going to be a, an anti-homosexual marriage initiative. The other one is going to be a euthanasia. Mm-hmm. Colorado-style euthanasia. And it will be much more invasive than just the right to die. How are we going to stop that? They're going to eliminate, as a matter of fact, they will put forth a bill sufficient to order the death of one of my children. I got news for you. They better not do it. Because there's going to be a lot of bodies. Well, they, they had the same thing in Massachusetts two years ago. And uh, it's, this is where the pharmacy is doctor-assisted suicide, where they give you a, a large dose and you go home and, and take the bottle. But this whole idea of assisted suicide, I, I thought suicide means that you actually do it on your own. So to me, a su- an assisted suicide is an oxymoron. What that does is it makes the doctor involved in the murder, an accessory before the fact. It makes the pharmacist and the clerk who takes the prescription to the pharmacist. And then, uh, so these are all people that are part of that, accessories to the fact of murder, or actually an accomplices in a murder. And thankfully it was defeated in Massachusetts, but it's this death culture we need to fight. This death culture. Passed in Colorado. And what difference is there between that and a 40-week pregnancy that we just stab it in the back of the neck and take its parts apart and sell them to the highest bidder? No difference. Well, that's where Reverend Kraft said it's a spiritual problem. I mean, if we we had our, our nation, if our nation was got its act together spiritually, 
these things would be very few and far between, but it's this death culture that our nation has been okay. promoting. So both, all, all three of you folks, absolutely, I'm sure, know who Charles Finney is. Yes. Yes, the yes. great revivalist, yes. Yes, the, uh, yes. So what did he say about this? Charles Finney yeah. not only was a great minister and an evangelist, he also was an attorney. And Charles Finney made it very clear that when we see our nation, now I'm paraphrasing, obviously, when we see our nation going to hell in a handbasket, the church is responsible, the pulpit. No, not the church. The no, pulpit that's what he said. Is responsible things. So, again, going back to my original oh. premise, we're well, not we going to solve any of these issues because the same thing with the, with the uh, in Jersey, they're calling it the death dying with dignity. So yeah. we have to ask, one must mm. ask oneself, where are all of these ideas coming from? The root issue is a culture, as Brother Hal just said, a culture of death versus a culture of life. The Bible says that I set before you this day life and death, blessings and cursings. Choose life that you and your descendants may live. The New Testament, you go over to the New Testament, the Gospel of John. The Apostle John says that, John 10.10, the thief, Satan, comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. That's death. But Jesus says, I have come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. So we're not going to be able to deal with any of this madness based on dealing with it from a political viewpoint. Politics will show us the problems with all of these crazy ideas that the devil is putting in men's minds through lobbyists, through politicians, through psychiatrists, through whoever. But the bottom line is, if we don't lay the spiritual acts to the root of the tree, just like Charles Finney said, the pulpit is responsible. The pulpit preachers have dropped the ball for many different reasons. And as a result of that, we now find ourselves spiritually in a royal mess. For example, what Dr. Kishor was just talking about with this methadone, methadone epidemic and this heroin epidemic around not only in your state of Maine, but around the country. This whole idea of legalizing recreational marijuana, whatever that means. The next step would be legalizing recreational heroin. I mean, there's not going to be any end to this stuff politically. There's no way these problems are going to be eliminated dealing with politics. If anything, politics will make it worse because politics will keep taking it to the next level. That's the reason why in my presentations, and I'll be sharing it, up in Maine next week, I do not use the term progressive. There's nothing progressive about evil that's, that's leading to death. The only thing about progressiveness is you're progressing toward death and an eternity and a devil's hell. In the natural, these things are regressive. It's going backwards because the further we go back from the word of God, the Bible says that if the foundations of a nation which is our Judeo-Christian foundation, are destroyed, what can the righteous do? So this stuff is not progressive. It's progressing somewhere. That's true. But the people are not progressing. They're not progressives. They are regressives, and they're taking us to the brink of 
of destruction because I heard somebody say I think it was red. Bond, bondage, when we look at all of this stuff, what do we see? We see a common denominator. Liberation versus slavery or bondage. And that's what's happening here. I didn't know myself until I just heard uh, uh, Dr. Gishore say it about the uh, school system. I knew about they could take the kids to, to, to shed their innocent blood of their babies with abortion. I knew about that. But I did not know that now they're, they're, they're going to be having Ritalin clinics right in the school. And I, but I sure can believe it. I have no problem believing it. Yeah. That's your common core in action, by the way. Yeah, yeah. So, like I said, I don't... By the way, hopefully, Mr. Trump has said not only will he eliminate Common Core, but he actually said that he is going to eliminate the Department of Education. Yeah, well, like I said, we we have we have to keep we've got to keep uh, 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 Mr. Trump in serious prayer because we talked about it at my mechanic just today. The devil's going to try to kill him. And there's no doubt in my mind about that. And we've got to keep lifted up in prayer because, like I said, for lack of sounding redundant, but I'll shout it from the housetops without apology or without compromise. We are fighting the powers of darkness. And a lot of people don't want to hear that. They, they want to talk on a natural level about this politician and that politician and this law and that law. I don't have time for that because all it does is frustrate me. I know what the tap root of all of this mess is. And my job and my gifting and my calling as a minister of the gospel is to say, well, what would Jesus say? What would Je- if Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior, was physically walking on earth today and was in the United States physically today, how would he be dealing with this stuff? He'd be dealing with it from the root saying that we must go to the to, to taproot of this thing. And that's why the prophetic ministry is crucial today, to be able to get people to see. Some will, will hear it, most won't. But that's not our responsibility. God told in the, in, the, in the Old Testament, in the prophets, whether it was Jeremiah, Isaiah, or Ezekiel, God gave all of them the different messages, the, the, the same message at different times. And he says, tell these people what I am going to do if they do not repent. Though they will not listen, tell them anyway, so that their blood will not be on your hands. So my responsibility as a minister of the gospel is not to try to uh, figure out all these different tentacles of the octopus and think that that's going to change anything. It's not going to change a thing. My job as a minister of the gospel is to do what I heard Red say about uh, 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 Charles uh, Finney, and that is to stand in the gap as a preacher of the gospel and declare the problem has started in the pulpit with jive, no-count wimps claiming to be preachers, and therefore God is raising up uh, a a generation of preachers that are going to, as the Bible says, cry aloud and hold not back, spare not. Tell the people their transgressions and their sins and call them to repentance. As John the Baptist says, repent or you will surely perish. That's my message. That's awesome. That's awesome. Let me me throw at you in that respect, because as I hear it in a conference with the president-elect, Mr. Trump, Uh uh, a bunch of pastors, Mr. Trump, 
put forward the possibility that he would repeal or walk back the Johnson Amendment. Right. Mm. The person that I heard speaking that was in that room expected applause. Mr. Trump paused expecting applause. Crickets. Oh, yeah. Crickets from preachers. Hello, they want the 501c3 rule so they don't have to be responsible. They don't have to say anything because there's a law against it. Uh Uh-huh, exactly, Red. You got it. Not only that, but they're worried about their funds. And I don't know about the Bible I read. There's there's nothing in there that says that you must uh, establish a 501c3. And by the way, a 501c3 basically is a confirmation that you are a state church. Right. So when these people talk about separation of church and state, then let's separate the IRS from the church. Right? No, they don't want that. This is where we're trying to establish the Centers for Health and Healing, which will be like a pan-church where we can do action. We need boots on the ground. We need people who are action people, roll up the sleeves, get to the communities, get to the grassroots. And we got to do this work. We don't know where the vehicles are. Yeah, Jack, I want to mention, uh, uh, Doc, you mentioned the the National Library of Health and Healing. Dr. Kishore is in the process of relocating what he used to have three libraries, and there were more education centers than just a bunch of books on a shelf, as as good as that is. Uh, Walderboro, Maine, in fact, where he'll be speaking on Wednesday, next Wednesday, uh, at uh, 7 o'clock, the American Legion, he's rented a space right in the American Legion Hall. It's a, it's a nice size uh, room with, a, with an office. And his, his goal, he lost his license, but he wants to be able to counsel and to be able to train uh, and also instruct and teach. So that's one, another good reason for bringing him up here uh, next week and doing uh, these presentations is to get people to introduce them to Dr. Kishore that he can be quite a help. I mean, he had over a quarter of a million patients when his practice was closed. I mean, not he, he had 52 clinics. He didn't see them all, of course, but his his method of treating addiction with non-narcotics the first week well, and then... Question. Okay, you you opened the, the can of worms, Hal. You used the word license. This That's right. Lost his License. What's a license? Permission permission from the government to do something. Permission to do something that would otherwise be unlawful. That's right. right. So helping people is unlawful? So you need to help people. There's something wrong with that picture. You see, we're, we don't get to the roots. That's if you right. need a license to do something, then it must be unlawful. That's right. You're right. Yeah. So why don't so, you just do it? There's no, there's no paperwork. There's no document that you can fill out for freedom. You have to live it. You have to love it. You have to do it 
Otherwise, you're not free. Well, you know what's interesting? Like the 501c3 and this whole idea of compulsory education. They've been around so long that people don't even give it a second. They thought, wasn't it always this way? Didn't we always have to put our children in government-controlled schools five days a week, expose them to uh, evolution and homosexuality? Wasn't it always that way? And they had to come home and we had to try to depro... And we wonder why... They, when they're when they're adults, young adults, they want nothing to do with us because you put them in those government schools, and you wonder why that you know they don't want they, they reject your values and your views. I was I was active before Johnson made that rule, so I'm old. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm not going to put up with it, and you shouldn't either. It's not about getting permission. It's not about how, how do I do this. It's about learning to live free. It's about hey Jack, Jack let me ask you. Um, we're going to be in Bangor. Uh, let's see. We're going to be coming up to uh, Bangor on Thursday. You're going to be at the, uh, the the place there, the the healthcare. I mean the um, Natural Living Center. You'll be there on Thursday. Uh, be you'll be there Thursday. I might. We'll try. Okay. All right, because we definitely like to uh, introduce you. Uh, get it. I hope you can make it to some of these meetings. But if you can't, we'll definitely like to give a sit down with you. I'll try. There's so much going on. You know how we, there's just not enough time. There's not enough manpower, and there's not enough currency. That's right. You know, just for me to get from where I am domiciled to Bangor, it's 180 miles. When I, when I traveled to Augusta to go down there and poke the giant in the eye for a few minutes, <laughs> it's a five-and-a-half-hour drive. Yep, I know it. Nobody, you know, very few people. There's a few people, fortunately, and, and thank the Lord, there's a few people that say, oh, here you go, take this 20 bucks, put it in the gas tank so you can get home. Yep. Yeah. You know. You know how it works. I know how it works because I I drive from Boston all the way up to Fort Kent sometimes. <laughs> so I know. I know how it is. But people, people, hello. It's not about the conversation that 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 Hal and these two gentlemen and I are having. It's about what you're going to do about it. What are you going to do with it? You know if. I'm so tired of fat people, not fat physically, but fat people absorbing all the good information that they're getting, and then they don't get off their butt and use it. That's right. Better you, know, you know, gentlemen, that's the point, what Jack just said, that's a point well taken, because stop and think about this. The enemies of freedom are inspired, even though they have different agendas, whether it's homosexuality, whether it's drugs, whether it's uh, abortion, whatever, whether it's animal rights, makes no difference what their, their issue is. Oh, animal rights. Oh. They work, <laughs> they work in total unity and one accord. And there's never a complaint of lack of finances. The money is always there. But yet, those of us who are patriots, those of us who love God, we cannot seem to get together 
to pool our resources and to support one another in the giftings that God has given us individually in order to push back and stand against this thing. Hopefully, the way this thing has been timed by God with the election now of Donald Trump, I am praying that this thing may change because perhaps, just maybe, because I'm frustrated too, Jack. Believe me, man, I'm 73 years old. I am frustrated to the hill. But I'm at the age now where I don't care. The best thing they can do to me is, just like Jesus says, fear not man who can kill your body, and after that has no more than he can do to you. But rather, I'll tell you who <laughs> Jesus is. Fear him, that after he has killed your body, has the power to send your soul to hell. Fear him. I don't fear man. You see, you see? Let me ask you. Let me ask you, Pastor, what's that, what's that word, that verse uh, about gates? What's the gates word? of hell will oh, not prevail, yeah. shall not prevail against the church. That okay. is the word yes, of Jesus Christ in Matthew chapter 16. He says, upon this rock, I will build my church, not man's church, God's church, and the gates of yeah. hell will not prevail against it. We have to knock down the gates of hell by putting aside all of these foolish divisions, come together, support one another, because I know as well as you guys know, there should be no excuse and no reason nowhere in this country with 300 so-called, a million so-called 300,000 Christians we have big mega churches, we have Bible colleges, we have seminaries, we have Christian radio, Christian television, on and on and on and on and on. And yet we can't seem to come together where 1% of perverted people, sodomites, can come together and change 2,000 years of, of marriage into something kind of ridiculous nonsense about a man marrying another man and all this kind of crazy stuff. No, we are the problem. That's why I'm so pleased to hear you call the name of Charles Finney out. And I'm going to be staring the people up, just like I when I had to come up there with Hal in September to stand up for uh, the governor. Because I, I, I have no fear, man. I really don't. <laughs> I really don't. And this nonsense about we have to scratch and claw to get, just like you said, just to get gasoline to go somewhere, that should not be. That should not be. God has, give the, God has given us all the finances that we need. The silver and gold belong to him. The cattle on a thousand hills belong to him. I get so frustrated. I could do so much more if I had the necessary finances to do it, you know, because I have a lot of energy at my age of 73 years old. But I don't have the money, so I'm hamstrung, you know. But I'm not getting discouraged. I'm not giving up. I said, God, I said, if you want me to do such and such or whatever you want me to do, God, you're going to have to provide the funds for me to do it because I don't have the money to do it. I have the energy. I have the truth. I have the spirit of God. But the challenge for me is just like with you, Jack. I don't have the money to do it. Okay. So those gates you were talking about, those are, those are inanimate objects. Right. So they don't move, right? Right. They just sit. Right. They're not, they're not in attack mode. They just sit there. That's right. So they won't resist our push. Right. So listen up, Christians. If you don't get off your fat butt and push down those gates, it ain't going to happen. Exactly. And yet you see the other side push the gates down. Oh, you yeah. You see this 1% homosexual population. 
they push the gates down, and they get just what they want because they push down the gates and say, you will accept this perversion, and we will rename the perversion and call it some LGBTQ nonsense or whatever they come up with. But the Christians just go along with it. It's like you were saying about the Johnson Amendment. There is no because I I heard the same thing you heard when when those thousand preachers came down to, to New York City yep. to Trump Tower and 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 Mr. Trump said what he said about about Johnson Amendment crickets. I heard the same thing. I wasn't <laughs> meeting obviously, but I heard the same thing. That was unacceptable, unacceptable, and that's why I hope and pray to your listening audience that we don't go back to sleep. See, see, maybe just maybe that if there's enough chaos and confusion and, 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 and problems, that the church will finally stay awake and say, hey, we must push down the gates of hell. We must unite. We must come together. We must stop being lukewarm because Jesus made it very clear in Revelations chapter 2, I believe it is, or chapter 3, I want you hot or I want you cold. But if you're lukewarm, I'm spilling you out of my mouth. See? We're done. <laughs> hey, uh, there's only a couple of minutes left. Can I just uh, give a recap of where they'll be speaking this week, uh, next week? Do it quick. we got about 30 seconds, man. Okay, well, in uh, Arista County at uh, Tang's Restaurant next Friday, North, 60 North Street. And then at the um, – oh, guess it's over. Hello? Yep, I think the show's over. All right. All righty. Very good. Go ahead, Hal. Oh, okay. Yeah, so um, so Friday, next Friday at 7 o'clock at Tang's Chinese Restaurant, 60 North Street, 7 p.m. And then um, the next day, Saturday morning at 9 o'clock at Governor's Restaurant, 350 Main Street in Presque Isle. Order off the menu. We're going to pass free admission. We're going to pass the hat. And, uh, Jack, thanks for having, having us on. Hey, it, it was absolutely a great conversation. We'll do it again real soon. Thanks for being with me. Thanks, uh, you guys, for doing this. Uh, I appreciate you. We pray for you. Thank you very much. God bless. We've got to get out of here. Roger Eck, the Northern Maine Land Land, coming right up behind us. Don't forget, folks, we are whatever support we get, listener-supported. We'll take anything we can get. It helps. Um, I'll talk to you next week about sending out this book to you. It's the uh, God's Chaos Candidate. I will gladly send you one, but we'll talk later about that. John Caven, Countywide Vacuum. John sells the perfect vacuum cleaner services. The rest, give him a call, 207-492-1492. John Caven, Countywide Vacuum. And in Bangor, the place that, Hal was referencing just a minute ago, is the Natural Living Center. I get to hang out there once in a while, help folks make better choices for their health and wellness. Hopefully I get to be a positive impact in their life. It's a great store, lots of great stuff. You can find them at 209 Longview Drive in Bangor, or you can call them at 209, uh, wrong, 207 9902646 Natural Living Center Bangor Maine thanks for being with us today folks have a great day 
We'll see you on the radio.